everyone, welcome back to episode number 45 of the Daily One Show. If you are new around here, this is the weekly rundown where I talk about things that I thought were interesting and notable across business and technology. Uh, while it seemed like we were in the 30s forever, we're quickly moving steadily towards episode number 50, but we're still here at 45. And I just want to thank everyone for tuning in. We've got some fun stories or interesting stories, if you will, um, from Microsoft, Amazon, Instagram, a video platform called ClipChamp, Condé Nast, and everyone's favorite, Apple. So as always, you can get this episode and all other previous episodes on such great podcast platforms, if I can say the word podcast, on Apple Music, uh, Spotify, Anchor, and uh, thanks to a very good friend of mine, uh, I realized that our Google Podcast link was actually broken, so uh, by the time this episode is released, it will probably be working again on Google Podcast. If not, hold tight, it's already in the process of getting resolved, thanks to the team over at Google. All right, so... Let's jump into two stories right back-to-back from Microsoft. The first is Microsoft continues to bet on collaboration, and in this case, video uh, is top of the, uh, the heap, if you will. They just went out and bought a company called ClipChamp, and ClipChamp team uh, is a new functionality created to help you and collaborators put video projects together. Um, you can invite team members to do it, edit projects. It's all in the cloud. It works great. Now, why does this matter? So PowerPoint is boring most of the time. Video, for me at least, is a better way and a more succinct way of storytelling, and it's completely overlooked. The only time I see video in corporate setting is, you know, Someone recorded a Teams meeting or Zoom or whatever your platform and says, hey, go watch this. And you're like, this is five hours. Like, I'm not going to watch this thing. Or someone's made like a three-minute, you know, jazzy sort of um, high clip art feeling video, and there's nothing in between. And I think you're going to see a lot more, not just for like marketing and sales, but internal awareness and internal Uh, communications through video. And I think tools like this are really helpful for people on a corporate setting. And then certainly on like the marketing sales and commercial setting, they've got some really slick editors. Um, It makes it super easy for someone who's like used Final Cut. It looked like more of like the iMovie version and that's okay. I like that. Um, So on dailyblend.com, we've got a link to ClipChamp's website. We also have I'll call it a blog post, but it's it's really a playbook of how to create videos and then upload those to Spotify for your podcast, which I thought was of interest for obvious reasons. Now, the second story that comes in from Microsoft is a new announcement about personalization. So what they've done is they've created kind of like a Flipboard-like experience. Um, you could argue it's it's almost like a Flipboard meets homepage meets news algorithm. And it looks to me like Microsoft's trying to get in the game of, of not just search, because uh, they have that already with Bing, uh, but it's, it's more to like understand your personal news 
uh, habits and what you're like reading and when it, it felt like a cross between Flipboard, a homepage, and Mabel. Maybe you could say Apple News, but not as curated and as as, as exact. So, you know, I think Microsoft is trying to continue to blur the line between you think about Microsoft in a corporate setting and you think about, let's say, Google and Apple in, you know, a personal setting or, or non-commercial, or at least that's how I do. And I think Microsoft is trying to bleed the lines, if you will. So the next story comes up on Instagram and your ability to spend through live uh, Instagram videos. And the pandemic has seen you know, Instagram rise to the top of the uh, social media uh, platform pyramid, if you will. They obviously have stiff, very stiff competition coming in from TikTok. But uh, the fact that you can be watching a video and sort of buy that item or items um, is now available, and they, you know, went out and did a um, a trial or a, you know a test run, uh, and it looks like they're going to roll this out. And I think, you know, I spend quite a bit of time on Instagram, probably like twenty to thirty minutes a day. I catch up on what my friends are doing. I follow a lot of news syndicates. Both, I'll call it, of like legitimate news as well as things like sneakers and clothing brands and cocktail websites and blogs and cooking shows and blogs. And so I get like my content from that. And the fact that I'd be able to then go buy that new knife from a cooking video or that new pair of shoes from, you know, um, a hype beast article, it's just pretty cool. And then the fact that they're now doing it where someone could be almost like streaming. And become their own show and then sell products. I mean, it sounds like they're making their own flavor of a you know home shopping network, if you will. And it will be really cool to see where that goes. Um, the fourth story, arguably, probably should have been the third because it actually goes really well with those first two. But anyway, we're uh, we're moving through that problem. Is from a company called Val. I can't remember how I stumbled upon this company, but Val is what I always dreamed of video and video recording mixed with integrations and open APIs. So from the video, it looks like, you know, you host a video just like you would on Teams, Google Meet, etc. But you're allowed to do certain activities and actions and through their open API graph, there are integrations uh, specifically highlighted in the video with Slack. So the example would be, we're having a group conversation and someone says something really great. And so I could put at person X said, you know, the greatest thing ever. And it would ping, you know, the, the person who said it, but also it could notify other individuals. You could also do a different uh, workflow, which is action items. And this is the biggest gap for me in terms of most meetings. You've got all these meetings and people talk and say, hey, you're up, you got to go do this. And it doesn't like tightly integrate, um, which is such a miss. Um, so Microsoft, if you're hearing this, get that working with Teams and Planner or to-dos or whatever you're calling it. But, uh, but anyway, um, the integration that they showed with Slack and other tools, and I'm sure there's a, a handful of other integrations that are out of the box, really made the meeting experience much more um, 
valuable because there's less like pre-work and post-work. It sort of just all flows. And I think that's the missing piece in this digital transformation of workforce enablement. So when I think about like what workforce enablement really is at its core, it's not only providing the tools, but it's automating those tools to work for you and you're not working for them, if you will. And um, I'm not using Val. I'll be kind of uh, curious to see if clients uh, pick it up. I did look at their customer list. Looks like more tech or small business, which isn't totally surprising. Um, one would also hypothesize that, you know, they're not looking to necessarily become, um, you know, a, a large company, but, but likely be acquired by someone else uh, and then integrated into those platforms like a Salesforce, like a Microsoft, like a Google, et cetera. So, um, you know, exciting to see where that company uh, heads. And, uh, you know, if anyone from Val is listening, uh, shoot me an email. I'd love to demo your product. So the next story I titled as Just Walk Out, and uh, I didn't know a better or more creative way to do it, but it's talking about uh, Amazon and Whole Foods. So before we talk about that, we got to talk about Amazon Go stores. So in my local Ogilvy train station in Chicago, there is an Amazon Go store. So you register through Amazon, you download a special app, and you get like basically a QR code. Um, and you walk into the store, you pick out what you want, cameras follow you, and then it registers to your account. So if I go in and I grab a sandwich or a, you know, a drink or something, you know, I walk out, I don't have to deal with a catch or register, and uh, it hits my account. Um, the process is pretty fantastic, to say the least, but now they're saying that they can apply this to certain uh, Whole Foods. And if you remember, Amazon bought Whole Foods a few years ago. And most people thought that, you know, the big win for Amazon was going to be almost like a shipping depot or lockbox, if you will, so you could, you know, pick up products there. But I actually think they could win with the grocery store experience. You know, the fact that you've got to wait in line and do all this like checking out where you put something on a register, then you got to enter in your phone number, then you got to pay with your credit card, then you got to put it back in your basket. It's like super efficient. So if, you know, Amazon through certain Whole Foods could automate that process and give people time back, I think that could be a point of differentiation. I'm sure down the road they would license that software. I'm not sure, but one would imagine they would. But uh, from a competitive advantage standpoint, if it was the difference between going to Whole Foods, that's super automated, and going to like a Fresh Market or a Heinen's, I'm going to Whole Foods. Um, and that's just me. So there's got to be a setup for, you know, in a similar fashion to the last one, there's a little bit of a setup to this story. So I subscribe to GQ magazine. Um, you know, it's you know, it's a little concerning because I open up the magazine and I'm like, man, you know, I'm not even 40 and I just don't even relate to a lot of this. But that's a conversation for another day and probably a different platform. But I did notice that this was the first global issue of GQ and I sort of had no idea what that was going to really mean, but I had some ideas and essentially it appears that you know, they had multiple uh, editions, you know, I'm sure that it's like Europe and India and China, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, one would just assume that there is a significant amount of inefficiencies, uh, that they could reuse certain stories and they could use certain fashion uh, pieces across, but maybe we're just running 
as their own uh, standalone entities. And specifically for fashion brands, you know, the world has moved away from like unique fashions in certain areas. And it's more just like a global fashion, which is sad and also makes it a little more predictable. But, uh, you know, that's what happens when the internet gets involved. Anyway, the interesting thing was like, you know, they're, they're talking about, you know, modernization of GQ. And then I read a little bit more uh, on the Condé Nast website, and it's really looking for an overall modernization of Condé Nast. And uh, I've read in the, uh, the passing uh, a couple of years about consolidations and streamlined teams. And I love this new quote from um, one of their new heads, uh, that storytelling has the ability to move people, provoke conversations, inevitably impact our culture on a global scale. Um, and, you know, the second one was that the premium brands of Condé Nast have always inspired me, allowing me access to new vantage points and a vision of what is possible. I'm excited to work with Roger. Roger's one of the executives, uh, the editors, and the great team to continue to build the company's incredible legacy and expand, uh, you know, in all content platforms. And so this is the new leader of Condé Nast, Angs Chu, and I'm, I'm totally butchering her name, I think. But Angs comes from uh, Disney and was one of the key individuals to launch the uh, Disney Plus network. And she was involved with uh, content uh, creation, content curation, if you will. And uh, one would assume had some, uh, you know, connection with the technology. But when you look at like the Condé Nast platform, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see like a global brand that is a magazine and content have to modernize. And it's really no different than any other industry. You know, they had to slim down teams, one would assume, and they had to get more efficient, share stories, share editorial, cut budgets as a result, or not as a result, but the budgets cutting were, were probably the drivers of this. But also trying to get, you know, the better stories to market faster, um, and share those across their different channels. So like if you're in GQ, can there be a crossover to Condé Nast Travel? I, you know, I don't know their strategy, but uh, it's interesting just to see like a brand like this having to reinvent themselves. I'm sure, um, you know, they, they don't like to see, you know, companies like Barstool Sports, which is a totally different industry. But if you think about how they've built identities, of their um, content creators and they are selling products as well as content. You know, Condé Nast has a rich uh, repository uh, of content. But when I think about, you know, their content writers, other than like Anna Witters with uh, Vogue, I, you know, none of those people, and maybe Will Welch from GQ, none of them come to mind. And you know, that's something that they might want to look into of building brands. Um, I've mentioned on the Friday Top 5 a number of times Matt Heredic and his uh, wife Yolanda, and they were both at Condé Nast and left and have sort of created their own brands. And, you know, it, it reminds me so much of like what happens at uh, ESPN, where when talent gets too popular, ESPN dumps them. And I don't know the inner workings of Condé Nast, but that seems to be what happens there. And maybe they should switch their approach and lean into that and you know, let these people be their big storytellers. All right, the last story for the week is the fact that the new iPhone is supposed to be announced next week. 
And obviously, you, you know, Apple's super secretive on these things, but it's assumed that on September 14th, they will launch the iPhone 13, and there will be four different models. What I think, or what I'm hoping they'll do is launch some sort of VR solution, maybe talk about some new laptops or other hardware. But, um, you know, what I'm really curious about is the supply chain. Right? Are there going to be major supply chain issues or anticipated supply chain issues that they call out and saying, hey, we've got these great products coming, but they might miss the uh, holiday window, so jump on to them. Um, on a more personal note, uh, I'm a Sonos user, and I'm hoping that they do like a HomePod MIDI 2.0, and the original one goes even further down in sale price, down to like a $60 price point. Or they start to, you know, compete with the Sonos Go uh, with their Beats brand. Um, basically, I'm just looking for more speakers or headphones or something like that. But anyway, uh, tune in. Apple always does a fantastic job. Um, their events have become somewhat predictable, but uh, every one of the major tech blogs will pick them up, and uh, I look forward to seeing what they come out with. All right, that wraps it up for this week's edition of the Weekly Rundown. Uh, you'll notice that the show launched on Friday. I uh, just sort of ran out of cycles this week, but we'll get back to the, uh, the typical schedule with the Weekly Rundown coming out on Tuesdays, the Friday Top 5 coming out on Fridays. And over the next couple of weeks, we've got some special uh, episodes with some guests. So we're bringing back the uh, Sound Off segment, so be on the lookout for those. Uh, episodes to drop as always uh, follow daily blend across all social channels and subscribe to the show on all major uh, podcast platforms and then find me read daily at read daily on twitter and instagram that's r-e-e-d-d-a-i-l-e-y and enjoy the rest of your friday and have a fantastic weekend don't forget to drink a negroni and uh, kick back and relax talk to you guys next week